0: Oh, one Thessalonians. Yeah. Now, brothers and sisters, about times and dates, we do not need to write to you. For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them. And suddenly, as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Good morning. For those who don't know you, know me, uh, my name's Malk, and uh, I've been here a long time. So uh, <laughs> that's the rugged face. Um, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word we thank you that it is as a two-edged sword that it cuts that it brings truth that it brings life and Lord I pray this morning that we may just know a touch of that life for each and every one of us amen Well, two weeks to Advent. That's when the uh, normal cry starts out. Are you ready yet? Are you ready? Can't get any sprouts. Can't get um, toys for kids. All that sort of thing. That is the way that um, these days Christmas traditionally seems to start. Are you ready yet? Are you truly ready yet? Well, today, as we read this passage from Thessalonians, that's the same question that's being asked by Paul. Are you ready yet? Are you ready yet? But he's not asking about the sprouts or the presents or anything like that. He's not even uh, looking back at Christmas, at the birth of our Savior Jesus Christ. No, he's looking forward very much forward and saying are you ready? Paul only visited Thessalonica for about two weeks from what we can understand about two weeks and while he was there he preached the gospel like mad he didn't give up and many people became Christians but then he moved on I think often when we think of Paul, we think about his letters and we think about how he must have been filled with the Holy Spirit and uh, how um, in tune with God he was to be able to preach the gospel, particularly after his uh, amazing conversion. But I think we also seem to uh, lose the fact that he actually, in Jerusalem, met with John and James. So it wasn't all just the Holy Spirit meeting him. Just sounds wrong, but that's what I'm going to say. He also had practical knowledge of Jesus. He'd met the ones who'd been with him. He'd met the ones who'd seen him die. He'd met the ones who'd seen him rise. And that's why he's writing to the guys and gals at Thessalonica. He's writing to them to I'll not say warn but to more advise them. They'd not been Christians long. The church was moving but as with all things human I reckon there'd be things going a little bit wrong. You know, it might be serving the communion with the left hand or something like that. But something would be going wrong. And so Paul is writing to them and saying look This is what it is. This is what it's all about. This is what Jesus was about. This is why Jesus died for you. He died for you. Because when you so often happens when you're a follower of Christ, life becomes not easier, but harder. How many things have come into your life that have given you a struggle since you became a Christian because you never knew about them before you were never given a guide on how to live you 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 just didn't know and it was dog eat dog and in many ways still is but Paul was saying this is how to follow Christ this is the way to do it and as we come to the end of this chapter this uh, first book of Thessalonians it comes to what is a very frightening but a very wonderful and a very exciting thing. Being a Christian can make you very dispirited. I'm right, aren't i am right are sometimes you see others doing this and that and the other and you think that wouldn't be right for me to do that or the other thing is that somebody will take the mickey you're one of the God Squad I know I'm glad she's not here this morning because I can talk about her my daughter at school was known as one of the God Squad and not necessarily got bullied but got the mickey taken out of her constantly And it grinds you down. And not only as a school kid, but as an adult, you can get ground down by people just dismissing what you might have to say. Your opinion. Because your opinion might just lift somebody else up rather than yourself. And Jesus was all about lifting others up. 2,000 years on, where are we? Look at where the world we live in is today. We've got probably, well we have got the greatest advancement in technology and in knowledge that's ever been known and yet, turn on your TV and what do you see? War. Even in our community we see starvation, hatred, unfair distribution of resources, and the causes of the destruction of God's nature. Darkness, as spoken about by Paul, darkness that it seems we can't avoid, darkness and a view of desperation. Uh, There's no wonder that we hear more about the need for mental health professionals and for people just in desperation. Um, ju- just as a quick aside, I, I delivered a food parcel um, for Food Bank on thir- Friday. It's the first time I'd been to this house. And this lady come- came to the door and she says, I've never had to do this before. I've never ever had to do this before. What, what do I do? And I was able to give her a little bit of advice about getting a little more help because somebody in her family had died and she'd been the carer and the money had gone, straight away, no money, so no food. Thankfully, we were there, but that is the way of the world. And and in a lot of ways, there doesn't seem to be any bother. That is just a thing that we start to accept Yet as we read in Thessalonians, there is hope. Believe me, there is hope and there is light. Paul says the light of this world is to be found in you. And you, and you, and you, and you, and everyone sat in this room. Everyone who knows Jesus Christ has that light inside them. The trouble is sometimes we feel the battery's running low, or somebody switched us off, or why bother nobody else does, and yet Christ calls us to be that light. There is light, there is all. Paul says the light of the world is to be found in you, and never think that it doesn't. When you're feeling perhaps a little bit down and a, a little bit outweighed by your family or your friends or just whatever, remember you are the light of the world and that's something to smile about. Those of us who have been uh, richly blessed down the years, now, 2000, know that 2,000 years ago, God came to this earth, his creation to demonstrate what life can be like? Just as his words express in these previous verses. What can heaven be like? What if we started a movement, something that might have been heard in the 60s and 70s? What about a Jesus movement? That wouldn't be a bad movement, would it? If everybody in the churches were living for and as Jesus, I wonder what a difference that might start to make. But more than that, Jesus enabled us to access that life by his death on the cross and the resurrection from the dead three days later. As Paul writes in his letter, he encourages us to live lives of light and to replicate the love of Christ for humanity. Even when your head screams, no, why should I? I've had enough, I'm walking away. You know that your heart says yes. You know that deep down you cannot walk away because Christ didn't walk away from you. When you become a Christian, you receive eternal life as a gift bought to you by that cross, bought to you by Jesus the most precious, holy, wonderful, strengthening, living gift of all. In this letter, Paul points the way for us to show others the light and the way through Christ to eternal life. Okay, I get it, I'm a bit busy. Life presses in and I forget. Sometimes we get in conversations with people, and there's an opening as big as a wicker archer's, and we fail, we forget, we leave Jesus out of the conversation. And this has come home more to me in this last two or three weeks, as Kath could tell you. As I've had meetings with all sorts of guys, and at some stage on every in every conversation, I've managed to plow Jesus in there, whether they liked it or not, they were getting it. One guy just sat and listened and I didn't want to say to him, "I absolutely is Jehovah's witness. a young Jehovah's witness um, brought up in, in that faith by his, his father, uh, his father's now, sorry, now sadly uh, passed away. What can I say? All I can tell him? is what Jesus did for me. I don't have any fancy theological words for him. I, I, I couldn't battle the Jehovah's Witness uh, ideology or whatever it is, but I can tell him what Jesus did for me. And whether he takes it or whether he doesn't take it, I don't care, he's got it. And it's the same for every one of us, particularly as we approach Christmas. Let's sit and with both barrels this year. You know, one thing that struck me when I was sat down there, I, thought, I suddenly thought of Christmas cards. And I thought, how many Christmas cards will we send this year that will have Santa on or will have Jesus on? Which is going to win? Santa or Jesus? I hope it's Jesus. Pardon, Kath. Am I in trouble with that one? Yes, I'm too busy. Life presses in and I forget. But we do get in conversations with people where we can just perhaps angle it a little bit, just talk about Jesus, just bring Jesus into Christmas. But too often we step back from the brink. The gospel message is not a message of tomorrow, it's a message of today. As I've mentioned the things that are going on in our world, the only real saving grace for humanity is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, he's the only one. And we, the church, the light, we're the ones that are called to spread the gospel of Christ. And not only by our actions, but by our words. We need to take every opportunity to point people towards Jesus Christ but more than that we have to be certain that we have our own humanity that we don't fall sorry our own our own uh, walk with Christ that we don't fall off the path what do I use to make sure that in certain situations I'm still following Christ what do I use well many years ago and it is many years ago now I got a little method if you like that has helped me right the way down the years and it's just three words Jesus is coming when I find I'm struggling or anything like that I just say to myself Jesus is coming might be in a different tone, but Jesus is coming. You probably notice on the screen there, there's the uh, the three red stripes, actually. That strikes me heart a little bit, seeing three red stripes in Allerton Church. Uh, <laughs> but uh, the, the normal logo on the internet is a red square with three white stripes. And it's an app to find your way um, around the world just round Sheffield, it's um, and it's called, what? Three Words. And the reason is that whoever made this app has created 57 trillion three-metre squares around the globe. And every square has got three words that identifies it. If I go in our front room at home, there are three words. But if I go in the kitchen, There's another three words, because I've moved that little square. That's how fine it is. And this church has got three, probably a lot more, three words. But the words for me, when I think about how am I going to get to heaven, well, I don't actually think that, but think, what am I doing wrong? Heaven is home. Heaven is home. Today, when things are going wrong, Will you have three words that will remind you of that and set you back on the path? I'll tell you what, some, Oop. never mind about three uh, 57 trillion squares, go around some of the housing escapes recently built in Sheffield and try and find your way out because it's absolutely impossible and you have to get um, a guide either that or Google Maps to find your way out to get back to Wing Gardens or wherever you're going that is a guide and that's just my demonstration because I have these three words Jesus is coming but how did I know Jesus was coming Did any, you, you know and I know I've said this many times when I became a Christian I didn't know anything about the cross and this that and the other and then I'd been a Christian for oh, a few months and um, there were a few people in church who like me, were a bit hip, and they said, "Mal, we've got a spare ticket for a gig in Manchester. Why don't you come with us?" It was this Christian singer, so I went there, nice and comfortable. The, you know, the pre-show stuff was all right, and then there was this big American Christian star going to come on, and all of a sudden, all the lights went out, and there was one beam of light coming down, and a bloke walked on stage, and he got long blonde hair down here and black leather gear I turned to the guy at the side of me, Tony and I said, what on earth is this what have you brought me to oh man this is rubbish, he said, you wait you wait, he says it's not just the music with this guy you wait and um, he started off with this and it shook me to the core because nobody had told me Jesus was coming again nobody had told me what was going to happen I mean I knew by this time that Jesus had died and uh, it changed my life but they'd not. Me. and then he, he started off with this song life was filled with guns and war and everyone got trampled on the floor I wish we'd all been ready is your kid ready is your grandmother ready Children died, the days grew cold. A piece of bread would buy a bag of gold. I wish we'd all been ready. There's no time to change your mind, because the sun has come, and you have been left behind. You have been left behind. I was reminded this morning, um, somebody did um, an an illustration I, I just happened to see this morning. And they said the worst nightmare they'd ever had was um, pushing their grandchild on a swing. And the swing went out and went high. And it got higher. And it got higher. But then the kid disappeared off the swing. Is that what it's going to be like for you? Or for me? That I'm going to be left there and my friend has gone, my wife has gone? we have to be certain we have to all be ready because as in the famous three words of Malcolm Drew Jesus is coming Jesus is coming and take comfort from that don't just take fear from it take comfort that you are in those people you know that saviour You are living for that saviour. And he is living for you. That you will be ready. That was the moment I found out that not only had Jesus died for me, but he was coming back. Not only that, but there was no time to waste. Because we don't know the hour. Like a thief in the night. A thief doesn't come and knock on your door for the car keys to knit your car he comes in the night, he comes in the darkness he comes in secret and that's how Jesus is going to come because he's coming for his own there's nobody going to be sneaking in the back door nobody at all not only that there was no time to waste am I ready whatever call he makes on me to do here but am I more than ready to be ready to travelling that journey home where heaven is. Jesus is coming. Maybe today you might want to put in your memory bank three words that will remind you that when the tough times come, that when things aren't perhaps going as you, you, you would like, that Jesus is coming. Today, for each one of us who know Christ, then, It's fine. There's no better season to ask yourself, are you ready? Are you ready? Not for Christmas, but for Christ's return. What a day that will be. Now, I wanna finish this morning by uh, asking us to sing a new song. It's gonna come up on the screen. Um, And it reminds us of the king that's coming. It's a song called Behold the King. Sorry, I've got that wrong. Behold our God, because it's another three words. Behold our God. It's a wonderful song. Somebody introduced it to uh, Kath and I and one or two others a a few months ago at at home group. And so I'd like us to stand and if you just want to pray, then that's fine and take in the words if you want just join in the words and soak in the man that's coming hey he's coming for you he's coming for you he's coming for you and god bless him he's coming for me